0: You're listening to a stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. One, three, two, one,
1: zero. Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. This is our New Year's Day installment of the Savage Love cast. The number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, of course, is 206-201-2720. But before we get to the calls, and there are shitloads of calls, I just want to wish everyone a happy fucking New Year. Uh, and it's going to be a good one, except for Benazir Bhutto, who's not joining us in the New Year. It's going to be a good one for the rest of us, hopefully everyone who survives. Because in uh, 10 or 11 short months, we will be voting for the next president of the United States, which means... We can see the light at the end of the fucking tunnel that the Bush administration, although it feels eternal, isn't actually eternal, and one day we will be free. Uh, In the meantime, let's let's answer some sex questions to pass the time, shall we?
2: Hi, Dan. I'm calling because I recently started seeing a 24-year-old virgin, and he is very innocent and inexperienced. He has dated before, but he was always very anxious when it came to any kind of sexual contact. And we've only kissed so far... Uh, But we've talked about sex a lot. He says he feels more comfortable with me. And he has an audience fantasy. He would like for me to jerk him off wearing latex gloves and scrubs and a surgical mask and cap, which i'm I agreed to I could get into that. The uh, thing is that he wants us to be our first sexual contact as a a means of getting to know each other sexually, whereas I had assumed that this is something that we would do after getting to know each other through more conventional means sexually. But uh, I told him that I thought that introducing role play as the first contact would make him more anxious and uncomfortable. But in hindsight, I think maybe that was a mistake. Maybe I should just trust that despite his inexperience, that he knows what he wants. Uh, not Not that I've really been around the block, but it's just that I have a little bit more experience and I can't seem to decide if drawing on my previous experience makes me more closed minded or if I would be remiss to ignore it. But I would love to know what you think.
1: Hey, Tanya, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. I just listened to your message, Um, and uh, I I want you to clarify a couple of things for me. So you're clearly not uncomfortable doing this role-play scenario, being the naughty nurse. I'm not. And he has been very clear about it, that he wants this to be his first experience.
2: Yes. And yeah, you, I, I specifically asked him. He says he wants it to be our very first sexual contact.
1: And you're, you're worried about doing this first because of, out of concern for him, or because of how it makes you feel?
2: Uh, well, I was mostly worried that he would be less comfortable starting with that.
1: Why do you think he'd be less comfortable starting out with his fantasy role play scenario?
2: I guess that I just assumed that because I would want to be more comfortable through more conventional means that he would too. But I guess that's pretty presumptuous of me.
1: Well, it's, not, it's presumptuous. It also sounds like you're doing the girl thing where you're talking about, you know, what would make you comfortable, what you want, what you need emotionally, and projecting it onto somebody else and saying, I assume this is what they would need or want. So I, what I detect is that you're uncomfortable with this being the first sexual experience that you two share. Okay. Is that true? Do you think? Um.
2: Well, I haven't. I don't really have any experience being the dominant one, so it'll be it'll be something new for me. But then it also kind of levels the playing field because we'd both be doing something totally new. <laughs>
1: uh huh. <laughs> but I want to hear what you want. Your first sexual experience, with this guy. You like this guy? Yeah, I do. And, uh, and it's how, uh You know, I just think you're uncomfortable having your first sexual experience be. You know, it's really not you that he's going to be having that first sexual experience with. It's going to be this fantasy archetype. This right, fantasy right. Figure. That's probably where
2: he finds the
1: comfort in it. And it sounds like where you find the discomfort in it. Right. Like your face is covered up. It's clearly a scenario he's jacked off about all his life. Like, are you really present? Or are you, you know, Nurse Ratchet or Hot Lips Hooligan or whoever it is that you <laughs> latched onto as a child? in the nurse fetish realm, you know?
2: Right, right.
1: So what I think is that you need to say to him, I'm totally willing to go there, I'm totally GGG, it sounds like you are, but, you know, before I go there, I need you to, I I need some, like, sexual interaction with us as each other, as who we are, before we start strapping on, you know, roles, and role-playing, and, you know, doing sex pantomime, which is great, you know, sexual role-play is great. And it's fun and it's a really wonderful way for two people who are you know are committed to each other or who even if they're only like committed to each other for an evening, to, you know, really explore dark parts of their psyche and their sexuality and their fetishes and their kinks. But it sounds like you have an emotional attachment to this guy that you like him. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I do, I do.
1: And he needs to put out a little bit you know, I don't want to say normal, but he needs to put out a little bit to to, to increase your comfort level around going to role play. But I don't okay. think you're going to damage him if you do it out of the gate. If you do his role play scenario out of the gate, but I worry that you're going to make yourself feel bad if you do that out of the gate. I worry that you're the one who is uncomfortable with this, and you know your concern for him is an act to to you know to bring up your own discomfort without having to own it. Okay. Okay? Okay. And, you know, you can also do it all over one night. Oh, I
2: see what you mean.
1: You can roll around, kiss, make out, do oral uh, work up to the nurse. If you really want to, like, compact the whole experience, you can you can still go there, but, okay. but it needs to be a bit more gradual, I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay? I mean, like... We- so we're going from kissing to that, so yeah. kind of, I was kind of surprised that he wanted to make that jump.
1: It is a bit of an odd jump, and he needs to show you that, you know, some people, particularly you know, the 24-year-old virgins out there, 34-year-old or 44-year-old virgins, they have this fantasy scenario they've been beating off about all their lives, and they can become sort of fixed, and their sexual, their ability to respond sexually can become very limited. And he needs okay. to demonstrate to you that that isn't the case. So I don't think you want to be with him if being with him means the rest of your life you have to wear that nurse off it and jerk him off and that's your sex life.
2: No, not really.
1: <laughs> so he needs to demonstrate that that won't be the case by responding to sexually in a broader way before you jump into the role play. Okay?
2: Okay. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Good luck. Bye. Bye. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm
2: a
0: 27-year-old. By woman, married to a 25-year-old straight guy. We've been married for a little less than two years now. Um, I'm kind of sort of submissive. I don't really... I still haven't really gotten into it. I haven't really figured it out yet. And while my husband is willing to do some stuff with me, it's really not his bag, so I always feel kind of weird pushing him, you know, rather rather than make him uncomfortable. I'd, we're both more comfortable with me going somewhere else for that. The thing is, um, for... We live in a sort of small city, um, and we came after a rather incestuous set of friendships that probably involves pie charts and, or origami to explain properly. Um, a couple of our friends dumped, dumped us in the, we don't want to be your friends anymore, type sense, that we were fucking them since. And they are now more or less the more, most of the active bit of the community, the BDSM community in town. So, while well, I would definitely like to find this, going through the traditional go to a munch, meet people type channels makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I was just wondering if you had any advice on a slightly different venue to go about and meet people when I know that, you know, the munch and the local, you know, leather and lace night type things are going to be occupied with these particular folks who I have no desire to see ever again.
1: Suck it up. Suck it up and suffer, bitch. Listen. You're just it's the curse of say being gay in a small town. The curse of the small town gay bar. It's the only gay bar and you're falling out with like the crowd, the ten people who rule the gay bar, and then you feel really uncomfortable and you can't go there anymore because blah, 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 blah. And the only way to push through that to get past it is to go. Is to just suck it up and go and have a drink and be present and get used to them getting used to you. Oh, you all y'all glare at each other from across the room and you cut a wide berth and gradually, you know, you fake ignoring them. And then soon you actually will feel as if you're ignoring them. You pretend they're not there and soon you'll feel like they're not there. Um, if you can't do that, so you can't go to the Munch, you can't go to the Leather and Lace Nights because you had a falling out. I assume not with every single person at the Munch uh, or the Leather and Lace Night, just this click that you used to run with. If you can't face up to that, then there's the Internet. Or the slightly bigger town nearby. Every small town in America has a slightly bigger town nearby. And if you're just too, you know, submissive and chicken shit to, you know, ovary up, go into that room because you're a big, strong pussy, then you need to get in your car and drive to a munch in another city uh, where you haven't been unfairly, uh, you know, stigmatized by a group of assholes or you haven't done something... uh, that people have a right to be angry with you about for the rest of your submissive life. I know your area code because you left your number. I wasn't able to call you back, but I do know that there is a very large city with a huge BDSM community about two hours away. So no more whining about the munch where you're at. Get off your ass, get in a car, and drive to the munch in that great big city nearby.
3: Hey, Dan. Uh, my name is Matthew. Um, I've gotten a girlfriend. She's really great and everything, but, uh, I live up in, uh, Indiana and she's from Memphis, Tennessee. Well, we're about to like spend a week together for the first time after, uh, a good month after we've gotten, after we got together and we've been friends for a long time. So we're real comfortable with each other, but, uh, Feeling a little awkward about, you know, everything after having been friends for two or three years, and then suddenly having that context change, and then, you know, climbing in bed with each other. Just any advice on how to lessen the awkwardness would be great.
2: Hey, Dan.
1: I just listened to your message, and I can't, for the life of me, figure out what the fuck the problem is.
4: (laughs) all right
1: <laughs> so um, you, you, you you there's this girl, you were friends for a couple of years a month ago, you started fucking around, and now you're gonna see each other for a week.
3: uh, pretty much she's actually like right here.
1: oh, is she in the room? yeah, well, let's talk about her right in front of her all right is this a bad this is awkward then isn't it? Um, if she's right there, you really can't talk about this, can you
2: <laughs> well, uh, the awkwardness sort of is the problem. <laughs> Do you, would you do want to go you into the other in the room? room? Okay.
1: Yeah, send her away. <laughs> All right. So what's the so, what the fuck's the problem? That that you, um, you, walk me through. Well, just, I'm, I'm sorry. Walk me through what the fuck the problem is. You're uncomfortable um, well, because you used to be friends and now you're fucking.
3: Well, when we were friends, we were both dating other people, and so we had drawn the line between friends and.
1: So you were always attracted to each other, it was just circumstances prevented you from actually being together. You were each yeah, with somebody, now you're exactly. not. exactly. So what yeah, is there... We, that, people come together like that all the time. What the fuck is there to be awkward about?
3: Uh, well, uh, I think the problem is, like, you know, we know a lot of people who got together like that, and like, they drew their line in, like, a very thin pencil line and can erase it easy. And uh, I guess we just grabbed the hugest fucking Sharpie we could find to draw our line, and we just kind of sit on either side of it and stare at each other and giggle the whole time
1: so you both feel like you're violating some sort of friendship taboo that you established two years ago to protect the relationships that you used to be in because yeah, there was some some, there was some attraction that like. you both acknowledged at the time but because you were involved with other people you had to say this is not gonna happen we are never gonna fuck right so that we could be friends. And now that's over because your relationship's ended, and so now you're fucking. Right. So the reason well, you drew that not, line, the reason you yeah, drew that line goes. as big and fat and black and dark as you did, was because you were that attracted to each other that it had to be drawn so starkly to keep you off of each other when you were involved with other people. Yeah. But this should all be obvious. You should be able to erase all this and jump each other's bones without a moment's hesitation.
3: Yeah, we're uh, we're, we're we're working on that. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah. Okay. Put her on the phone. Okay. Hey, Gary?
3: Yes. Yeah. she is. Hello.
1: Hey, what the fuck is his problem with this awkwardness shit? Do you have that problem with this awkwardness shit?
3: Well, I mean, it's just awkward. What's awkward? Agree, What's awkward it's about total it? Because, dude, it's. <laughs> he's well. Okay, there were three years of like sublimated, you know, w- wanting. That's
1: not awkward. That's fucking hot.
3: Well, I agree, but, you know,
4: it's like, okay, here's what happens. Is, is We get to the point where we're both, like, mostly naked, and we're making
3: out, and it's great. And then I just kind of look at him, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, you're you, and I'm me, and I cannot feel this way about you, but I can, and it's, for the first time, I can, and it's weird.
1: You know, you, are, you know what you guys are? You're gay, closeted teenage boys making out for the first time, and every once in a while you look at each other, and you just go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm violating all these taboos. Because you guys right. just established this taboo to protect the relationships you used to be in, right? Because
3: mm-hmm. when you met and you were really... both involved
1: with other people, you were totally hot for each other, and you were like, no, we can't even go there, third rail.
3: We used to sit on the opposite side of the couch. <laughs> you know, we'd hang out, and I'd sit on one side of the couch, he would sit on the other, and we'd just kind of stare at each
1: other. All right, so this is not a problem. Let's okay. just, this, you're not, this isn't awkward. This is grist for the erotic mill. This is fucking hot. I want to see the videotape, and you're not even both dudes. All right. It's not a problem. Those moments when you know the wrongness of it and the taboo violationness of it washes over you, you should both laugh and then get into the sixty-nine and position and stuff each other's genitals down each other's faces. All right?
3: All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to try that. Um, then, is it cool if we have a couple of drinks first?
1: Oh yeah, totally. That's what that's what alcohol is there for.
3: Yeah, we were actually on our way to a drinking lunch.
1: Go have a drink and then fucking fuck each other's fucking fucking brains out. All right? All right.
3: We we will fucking fuck.
1: And don't bother (laughs) any other advice professionals with what is not a problem here. This is not a problem.
3: Okay.
1: Okay.
4: Okay. Happy New Year. All right. You too.
5: Bye. Bye. Hey, Dan. I'm 29 years old, and I just ended a five-year-long marriage um, in which I. Never wanted to have sex with my husband. By the end, we were having sex, like, once every two months. And it was because I would, like, be at the bar and see someone really hot and then go home and, like, pretend I was having sex with the people that I saw at the bar. Um, It was miserable. It was terrible. And this guy, the worst thing about it was that my husband was, like, the greatest man in the history of the world. So wonderful. This awesome feminist guy, like, treated me like a million bucks and I think that's why I, I was able to even last for five years that way but because of listening to you and thinking about it a long time I was able to end it and it was amicable and we're friends and not dating this fabulous hot ass 23 year old guy and we just talk like four times a day and it's really awesome and really expressive and I just wanted to say thank you.
1: It's not every day you get a call from someone thanking you for breaking up their marriage, but uh, you're welcome, I think. Uh, I wanted to play your uh, call just to, if I could dwell on for a moment emphasize really the importance of a sexual connection when it comes to keeping two people together over the long term often when i respond to letters in the column or on the podcast from people who are in a marriage or a long-term relationship where there's no sexual passion or energy and there's some sexual frustration and i advise that person to you know suck it up and leave or get permission to cheat and you know get those needs met on the side if they want to stay in the relationship. I get tons of letters from people saying, "Oh, you overemphasize the importance of sex and relationships aren't all about sex and it's not it's all sex with you and, you know, what about other more important things like love and respect and, you know, awesome feminist guys who treat you like a million bucks?" And all that stuff's important too. But that's only, you know, that only works in a relationship if both people are satisfied with you know, that lack of passion, then it's fine and people can stay together. But if one person isn't satisfied, it's going to fall apart. That's why I think, you know, in a long-term relationship, a certain amount of sexual passion and a sexual connection that's intense is, you know, not the be-all and end-all, not everything there is uh, of quality or measure in that relationship. But, you know, the capstone, it's really important and it keeps people together and When it's not there, people miss it and come to resent the other person for not bringing it or providing it or not being able to provide it. And those relationships fall apart. And it's better for everyone involved if those relationships fall apart sooner rather than later. If you are the type of person who requires sexual passion in your relationship... If you're a kind of person to whom sex is extremely important and that connection is extremely important, don't hang out in a marriage or an LTR with someone that you ain't feeling it for. You're not, It's not fair to you, but it's also not fair to them. They need to go find somebody that they do it for, and you need to go find someone who does it for you.
4: Hi, Dan. This is Jill. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, I just wanted to give you a call to ask you sort of an etiquette question. Uh, my boyfriend and I just became engaged over the holidays, and while I'm really excited, I'm also kind of wary <laughs> because uh, we have a ton between us, a ton of gay friends and relatives. My brother's gay. His, a woman who he considers his older sister is gay. A lot of our friends look for in the arts, and uh, we both want to have a, you know, a wedding and make it our day, but I'm kind of nervous about the political statement we'll be making when our friends and relatives aren't allowed to get married. And uh, I was just wondering if there's something that we could do to kind of, I don't know, make me feel less bad about it and not like some big evil hetero who's stealing weddings and marriage away from all my gay friends. Uh, Should I donate to a charity? Should I make a statement? I don't know. Help me out.
1: Your gay friends don't want you to refrain from getting married until we can get married. Then, really, gay marriage or the fight for gay marriage does become kind of an attack on the institution of heterosexual marriage. If the people that are progressive, uh, cool down with the homos, heteros, stop getting married, then marriage becomes the sole province of the gay, hating fucking religious dickwads. So we want you progressive liberal into marriage equality, marriage for everybody into their gay friends, getting married one day folks to fucking get married. But here's what you can do. Here's what you should do on your wedding invitation. You should have a line, just something very subtle and tasteful in that crazy wedding script asking people to make a donation in the na- in the honor of the people who are going to be at the wedding who cannot legally marry the person that they love to make a donation to an organization like Freedom to Marry. Evan Wolfson's outfit freedomtomarry.org. You can go there and you can make a donation, you can if you're one of those crazy website uh, wedding folks, who everything is going to be like overly documented on a website, you can put a PayPal link on so that people can throw a little money at the organization that's working so hard to make sure that one day your gay friends will get married too legally in this country. Uh, that's all you got to do. Still get married. Please get married. But that little, you know, guilt you feel, that angst you feel. Bring that out. Make that part of your wedding. It is a part of your wedding if you're feeling that way about your wedding. And throw something out there in the faces of your other guests, Not maybe not all of whom are going to be as socially progressive as you are, letting them know that you're socially progressive and this is what you want and this is what you think marriage is and that you think your gay and lesbian friends should be treated equally and have equal rights and responsibilities. So the donation to freedom to marry dot org and a call out for your guests to make a donation. It's the perfect way to do that.
3: Hi, Dan. I have a question, and it, it's a little bit dumb, but I am just calling because I have been in this, like, relationship with a person for about a year that's been really unhealthy. Um, and I'm not necessarily a romantic relationship. It's kind of gone on back and forth, but this person kind of has constantly fucked with my head and been really terrible to me. Um, and I was really in love with him. And I recently... I've recently kind of gotten over it. Not that I don't love him anymore or that I'm, I don't have hurt feelings, but like, it doesn't keep me up at night. Um, and then I recently found out that when he's being an asshole to me, he's being more of an asshole to me than I actually ever thought. And I have this major fantasy of writing him this angry letter and calling him an asshole and telling him I was like so in love with him and he broke my heart and he should fought in hell and I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know if I should just let it go and, like, let this be part of my life that I've separated from because I've tried to talk to him about it and he won't communicate. Or if it's just something, like, if it's just something I should let go or if I should, like, write him a letter and, like, cry and, like, burn photos of him and then, like, get over it. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? said
1: I'm honored to be your girlfriend. I'm sorry? I said I'm honored to be your girlfriend.
3: Oh, cool, thank you.
1: The girl you can ask about this problem. That Thanks,
3: because I have girlfriends, but they're so sick of hearing about it. <laughs> uh,
1: really? Is this someone you've been yammering on and on about for years?
3: Like a year.
1: A year? You
3: yeah, should write probably a year of, like, you know, like bed crying.
1: Write a letter, bitch him um, out in the letter.
3: Okay.
1: Pour it all into the letter, and then decide whether or not you're going to mail that letter after you're done writing it. Okay. But you should definitely, you know, storm around, rip up his picture, burn shit, smash it, let it out. So long as it's a letting it out, and you're not trotting it out, and so that you can trot it out again in a month or a week, and keep, you know, keep going through this. Okay. It's fine to throw a big fit, so long as you, you know, it's one.
3: Because I think because what what happened is I was like I, had, I I had gotten it out of my system, and then I found something out that made it ring up bring it up again, mm-hmm. um, and then I all of a sudden got really angry, but we had kind of like fakely resolved things, so I couldn't let it out again. Um, Why
1: not? Why can't you let it out again now that you've got this new information? What is the new information, by the way?
3: Well, it's uh, it's this long thing, but basically... Um, he, I found out that during this time that, like, he, you know, he was with, he had a girlfriend, but he, we were hanging out for, like, three months before I found out he had a girlfriend, um, like, hang, like you know, drinking milkshakes at 3 o'clock in the morning kind of thing. Um, and then he broke up with his girlfriend, was like, you know, you're going on vacation for a week, let's, uh, like, when you get back, like, I want to be with you, blah, blah, I get back. Um, and we kind of lived together at the time in like a communal sort of situation. Um, when I got back, he was like, I'm really sick, blah, blah, blah. And I just found out recently that at that time he was sleeping with someone else who wasn't me or his girlfriend.
1: Wow, so you found out the two-timing loser that you were two-timing with was two-timing you?
3: Yeah. yeah. Weird. Yeah, he's like three-timing. <laughs> So and then you know and and he's the kind of person when I would try to talk to him about this kind of shit wouldn't be able to say anything, and you know and like sometimes would cry and be like I don't know I don't know and so then I can like yell at him because he was crying.
1: Oh, you totally can yell at people when they pull shit like that. You you, <laughs> okay. you you can't you can't fall for that. I feel so terrible. You can't possibly beat me up because look at how I'm beating myself up. That's just a manipulative game. Thank you. You should pour it all into a letter, stop bothering your friends about it. If they if they held your hands all the way through your first working through this, I could see why they'd be resentful about feeling like they have to go all the way back to square fucking one because you got some new uh-huh. info. Pour it all into a letter, smash some shit, send it to him, and then will yourself not to obsess about it anymore. How old are you?
3: Twenty.
1: Twenty? It's
3: like my first heartbreak.
1: Okay, it's like, your first heartbreak, and you know what? Good, you got it out of the way. Now you know what shits people can be. Now you know you learned a little karmic lesson. You you don't want to treat people the way he treated you, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to be a Mm -hmm. shit like him. (laughs) So you won't be a heartbreaking motherfucking two timing piece of shit in the future. And he's behind you. You know, one of the things that helps us, you know, as we grow a little older and we start establishing, you know, picking people out for long term possibilities, one of the things that makes us capable of doing that, of finding someone who's quality and not a dick, is comparing that person to the handful of dicks we dated yes. back when we were young and not even stupid and easily manipulated. So, you know, you can resent him and be angry at him all your life, or you can look at him and say, well, that was a useful lesson. He's a tool, he's always going to be a miserable fuckwit, but I came away smarter and better and wiser and more discerning for having been with that piece of shit. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. This is... I had someone like that in my life when I was 19, 20 years old. And thank God for him. Because he was such a shit that later in life I'd meet guys and go, Oh my God, there he's like... He has those that traits, those handful <laughs> of traits that that total shit had. And I'm uh-huh. not going to date him because I learned my lesson on that kind of shit.
3: But it didn't just make you like bitter and not trust everyone else?
1: No, it didn't make me bitter That's and not trust everyone else. Consent. It didn't make me bitter and not trust everyone else because I'm not an idiot.
3: Okay. Because okay, I
1: know okay. that, like, there's one guy, and then there's three billion other guys on the planet, and they're not all the same guy. Okay. Right? Yeah. Not absolutely. all women are bitches, not all men are assholes. Some are. Right? Okay. And so you yeah. learn to spot the bitch-asshole traits and avoid the bitches and assholes. And some, the only way to, you know, figure out that a stove is hot sometimes is to get your hand burned. Right? Uh-huh.
3: No, absolutely.
1: So you should send him an angry note that's also a thank you note. Okay. Thank you. I will avoid pieces like shit like you in the future and I'll be happier for it. You, however, are stuck with you. Good fucking luck with that. That's how you stand it.
3: I will. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. It almost just felt good to hear you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Dan. I'm a first time caller, long time listener, um, and I have a question. So I started talking to or seeing this guy, and we're pretty compatible both in and out of the bedroom, except for one thing, which I'm hoping you can help me put into a little bit of perspective. He is incredibly paranoid about getting an STI, um, but so am I. I've always been aware of that. Um, I don't have anything that I know of. I always ask my partners, even one-nighters, and get tested every six months. Um, I always play as safe as possible, but I recognize that you're, you know, when you engage in sex and you're a grown-up, you, uh, you never have a zero. Um, I realize that I shouldn't do the crime if I can't do the time. i um, GGG, and based on the feedback I've earned, I'm a pretty good lay, I guess. Um, but this guy, however, is so paranoid and so much that he won't even kiss me because he's afraid of getting what he calls oral herpes, and I know what he's referring to. Um, but it's just weird the way he says it. I've never once had a cold sore in my life, which I've told him. Um, I don't have anything on my face or anywhere else on me uh, now either. And besides that, the way I think that the way he's acting is childish, weird, and fucked. Um, he wants me to fool around with him and do other things, but he is unwilling to kiss me. Um, there's something terribly wrong with this picture. I already know what the answer to this question is, but I'm hoping that you can help me determine what this moron is up to. Um, I I really have no idea what's going on. I'm not going to see him again, but I'm just kind of curious as to what his problem is, and I want to find out without having to ask him.
1: I'm glad you said the things that you did about the risks that you know that you're running. Yeah. You know, it's fine to be paranoid about STIs, but being a sexually active adult, particularly one who has one-night stands... You know, you can only be so careful, and testing every six months only measures, you know, only finds out if you've been, you know, caught in STI yet. Sure. Like, some people hold out testing as if it's some sort of magical cure, and if you're tested regularly, you can't get infected with anything, right. and that's not true. Uh, but, you know, we weigh the risks of contracting STIs against the pleasures of being a sexually active adult, and we, you know, hopefully minimize those risks and do what we can to reduce them, but they're, they're still there. And if he, this guy that you're dating, is so paranoid that he doesn't want to risk an STI at all ever, then he's not mature enough to be sexually active at all, period.
3: Well, and that's what I was thinking. And I'm, I am can assure you I'm not dating him any longer. He, he texted me the next day and I told him to piss off. I but,
1: but, but what's interesting was he was being sexually active. He, he was willing to fuck you. Yeah. But he just wouldn't kiss you. Right. And he used STI... I think it's a lot
3: more fucked up than that.
1: And he used STI paranoia as a reason not to kiss you, right? Yes. Okay, well, so, so some of the bullshit is going on. Because, you know, he's running much greater risks putting his dick in you. You know, risk of syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, chlamydia. There's all sorts of things you can catch. Uh, yes. Even with condoms on, although wearing the condom significantly reduces your risk, you can still contract those things. If he's paranoid, he shouldn't be sticking his dick in anything, condom or no condom.
3: <laughs> I it's just it was just really frustrating and I just you know, and I I guess I didn't realize how fucked up it was until afterwards.
1: Well it was totally fucked up and, and here's what was actually going on. Right? He has a phobia about kissing, or he doesn't like to kiss, or he thinks your breath stinks, or he doesn't like how your spit tastes.
2: I'm gonna be fresh though.
1: Well perhaps you are, but I can't verify that over the phone. Okay. <laughs> you know, and maybe none of your friends had the courage to tell you yet that you have trench mouth. But I hope you don't. I hope that's not the case. Do you smoke? <laughs> No, I don't. Okay, well, good. That's going to go a long way, so it's not that. But there was something else up. And unfortunately, you know, I can't tell you what that other thing was. Only he knows. Right. And he's not going to tell. No. But, you know, there's some not people not. who don't like a particular sex act. And there's some people who don't like to kiss. And they can be fine lovers as so long as they're with someone who doesn't like to kiss either. But,
3: I, you know, I would have felt so much better if he had... If that was actually the case, which I don't know, I, I
1: don't right? Because know. it wouldn't have added—it wouldn't have added an insult of a lie on top of the injury of not wanting to kiss.
3: Right.
1: Because it just—it doesn't—it doesn't pass a sniff test. Thank you. You know, I'm so paranoid about STIs that I can't kiss you. But here, let my—let me stick my dick in your genitals. Doesn't make any sense.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and it tells you—you know—if that's true. So let's say that that's true. Then that all—that what does that tell us about him? That he's fucking crazy, and you shouldn't date him.
3: Right. Well. You know, I came to that conclusion already. That's
1: done. So it sounds like you're doing all the right things, and he's a total asshole.
3: Thank you so much, Dan.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. And hopefully he listens to the podcast and doesn't hear me say that he's a total me asshole. Me too.
3: Well, he actually, it's funny because when we first started talking, he mentioned something that, um, a throwback to your column, and I said that I was GGG, which I consider myself to be. And uh, we, talk, we actually talked because we both read you. <laughs> he also listens to the podcast.
1: Well, if he does, he'll get an earful this week.
3: Great. Thank you so
1: much. Sure thing. Talk to you later. All right. So I've said goodbye to the caller. Now, just in case the non-kissing total assholes out there listening, look, if you don't like to kiss, that's fine. Just say, I'm not into kissing. Ta-da! The end. Don't make up bullshit lies about STIs and being paranoid about catching an STI with your face when you're clearly not paranoid about catching an STI with your deck all right if you'd like to record a call for a future podcast 206 201 2720 is the number uh you download this every week at the stranger.com slash savage this of course is the savage love cast and i of course i'm dan savage the author of savage love happy new year everybody and we're going out this week with a little more dina martina the vocal stylings of and dina martina's happy new year song and happy new year to you we'll be back at you next week with another podcast